What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Big Show Podcast, where we, three kings, bring you the best of Big Ten football. And it's actually three of us this week. These couple of bums decided to join me again, Corey and Ethan. Do you have Whoa. anything to say for yourselves for abandoning the show and me, one of your best friends? Um, I do. First of all, not one of my best friends, so don't automatically just... <laughs> Put that up there, <laughs> Ethan. You were one of Yikes. you were one of the best men at my wedding. <laughs> oh man, I really wish I would have been able to keep a straight face through that whole thing. That would have been great, but I'm just gonna cut it off there. Oh man, um, I honestly thought we were fired because the way that uh, Alex introduced us in last episode it seemed like that we had just been booted from the podcast so and that was really shocking and jarring as the editor of this show um and it's like oh do i do do i have a spot does ethan have a spot is this the is this the big show or is this the alex day is a dumb idiot show i don't know oh nice that's got a good ring to it Well, I almost did. I almost did have to fire you guys from the show, but um, it is more fun with you here. I'll I'll say that. I need a I need a dumb opinions to balance out my genius ones. So it doesn't work well if everything is just like gold. You know, like you need yes. you need something else. You need some kind of conflict in any good show, and the conflict from both. Okay, of your I'm cutting conflict. him off, and also I think I just threw up in my mouth. I just wasn't paying attention to what he was saying, so I was I was just kind of watching sports on my television. I, 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 if you're still listening, thank you. Follow us on Instagram at Big Show Pod. Like, rate, subscribe wherever you're listening. And tonight we got a few things we're going to get into: a few minor announcements, a few spring game questions or answers for certain teams, and then is CJ Stroud really going to fall? Out of the top five picks in the NFL draft, we'll let you know why we think that should or should not happen. But let's start out with this. Maryland and Nebraska came out with some minor announcements. But uh, as the three of us are are big-time Jersey lovers, the Maryland announcement is a big one. They're ditching their typical home-and-away uniforms, and now their alternate script Terps uniforms, their standard home-and-away I think that deserves a round of applause. It's always been their best uniform, and rumor has it they're coming out with an alternate version that is all black, which would be yes, so dope. Yes. Yes. So I think we're all on board with that. Yeah, well Joe, done, Maryland. Well done. Let's, hopefully let's hope that their play on the field can be just as uh, beautiful as their uniform. Hey. We were taking a minute to celebrate them, okay? I, so that was you, that was legit. That was genuine. Them down. That was okay. genuine. Way to go, Alex. Right. Mm-hmm. It okay. was genuine. It was genuine. Uh, next one, Nebraska. They are bringing back the classic Herbie Husker logo. The man has a nice beer belly, some luscious blonde hair flowing from underneath his uh, cowboy hat. He's got an ear of corn coming out of his overalls. Uh, it's it's a it's a real classic look. They're throwing it back, so I guess some people are happy about that. Um, so that, that logo is dope. 
Yeah, some people really, really love it. Uh, Corey, you have your hand up. Go yes. Ahead. Um, are we positive that that's just not uh, Scott Frost in overalls? I don't think we can rule it out as a possibility. Because I'm I'm not convinced. Where, where's where, where's he may, uh, Where's he at? You two are just on a savage train today. Like we're we're not even five minutes into this episode, and you guys are just ripping people a new one. Well, this no okay, prisoners. This is different because Scott Frost isn't associated with Nebraska anymore. He's always associated with Nebraska. Well, he won a national yes, championship right now. Yes, okay, but eh, this. And he's associated with them for the foreseeable future because he is their new logo. So, <laughs> wow, uh, oh, it's good to be back. It is good to be back. The Matt Rule era is underway. Okay, I can't wait for him to sport a Scott Frost sweatshirt on the sideline. Dude, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Nebraska games this year, they're probably not going to be, they're not going to be very good this year, but Nebraska games are going to be insane. But I mean, they have a rabid fan base, but with a new coach coming in and like a super hyped coach, their games for the next like two years are going to be absolutely insane. And then if they continue to get better and like really good, oh my gosh, it's going to be a top 10 venue in college football. All right. So now that we've gotten the uh, little stuff out of the way, let's get to the spring games. Now with spring games, it's always one of those things where like, you know, how much can you take out of it? Uh, How many questions can get answered realistically? Because you watch a spring game and if one side of the football does well, it means the other side of the football looks bad. So you don't really know what to make of each team, but we're going to focus on a few uh, spring games that have happened in the past couple of weeks and just get, just kind of give you a general consensus of what the fans might be feeling after these games. So a lot of them have happened. I'm going to tell you which teams we're not going to talk about their spring game. Those teams are Indiana, Illinois, Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, Northwestern, and Purdue. Uh, we're, we're just not going to talk. There's no point in bringing up Northwestern spring game. Okay. No point in bringing up Indiana's, uh, Corey's raising his hand again. Go ahead, Corey. I just want to, how many games did Northwestern win in the U S <laughs> it depends on how far back you want to go. <laughs> oh, okay. I was just, th- I was just thinking last season, but I, I just, I just want to let the people know uh, that as a resident of the uh, state of Indiana, I, I actually participated in the Indiana spring game because they were just kind of letting anybody on the field play. Um, the field, it was open, and it was just like we were just throwing a football around. So that's kind of like that's kind of where the state of the program is right now. You're just kind of hoping some guys are just you know tossing the rock. Gentlemen, let's focus up. Come on. What? Oh, that's what they meant by open practice. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And also, we would be talking about Iowa's, but Cade McNamara was limited, so there's really nothing to talk about. Although, did you guys see? <laughs> he that- didn't play, did he? 
Uh, very limited. He completed like two passes, I think. Oh, okay. I I, w- I was under the impression he didn't play. I did not watch it, but okay. Uh, did you see Brian Ferentz, though? Somebody asked him in a press conference if he had a message to the Iowa fans after the past couple of years, and and he said, no, I, I don't. Typical Brian answer. Dude, this guy, like, if he was – tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. If he was the coach of any other program, he'd be fired. Any other program, he'd be gone. But for whatever reason – Iowa and and Brian Ferentz, like they just, I, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Neither does anyone in Iowa, but we'll see if they can, <laughs> we'll see if they can gather up some touchdowns for this coming year. But let's get into this. So we're going to focus on the big four of the group that has played since Michigan spring game. So Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, and Wisconsin. Uh, let's start out with Wisconsin. So based off of what we know about who they've been and who they kind of need to be to take the next step, we can probably all agree that the position we need to be watching for is running back, quarterback, offensive line, quarterback, Corey. I said quarterback. I said I was kidding. Of course, it's the quarterback. Ethan was right. It was quarterback. God, Corey. Give me a point. Gold star for Ethan. Gold star. Um, Unfortunately, Tanner Mordecai didn't look great in the spring game. Now, it is a spring game. Okay? It is a spring game. We're going to preface everything by saying it was a spring game. He threw three interceptions. One of them was a dropped ball by a wide receiver. I believe it was C.J. Williams. So, Hard to uh, hard to say how much of those are on him. And let's also put this into context, right? New offensive coordinator and a new team and teammates for Tanner Mordecai. Like, this is not something that happens overnight in spring ball that a quarterback just comes in and starts balling out with a new team and brand new weapons and a new offensive system and new lingo and a new head coach. Like, there's so much change happening I feel like we have to give these guys until fall. Well, and there's a lot out. of times there's a lot of times in spring games where the play is like control and the other team knows what you're running. So, I mean, if you know what the other team's running, chances are you can set up defensively pretty well for it. I don't glean anything from that. I think Tanner Mordecai is going to be fine. Um I don't think by any means he's going to be a great quarterback, but Wisconsin very rarely heavily relies on their quarterback play. Um, I think that they they need to gr- get great O-line structure. They need to, you know, establish their run game. And they need to get back to their roots with having a really physical defense. So that that's really what, you know, I'm looking for out of Wisconsin moving forward into this coming season. And then Tanner Mordecai just has to be that guy that can move them up and down the field. You know, don't. And to your point about what he did in the spring game, you can't do that as the Wisconsin quarterback. They don't turn the ball over. You know, punting is punting is winning when you're, you know, a Wisconsin team of old and you punt the football, you pin the other team inside their own 20. They're not moving the football past the 50. 
So uh, it's really going to be getting back to those kind of grassroots of Wisconsin football, I think. And I think Tanner Mordecai just needs to be more of a facilitator for that and not, you know, jar them out of rhythm by throwing an interception and things like that during this upcoming season. Well, I think it's it'll be the question of what identity are they going to choose and commit to? Because Alex and we, we've been in conversation with um, with Luke Fickle coming in. That is a very not Wisconsin hire. Uh, as far as like the prototypical Wisconsin coach, uh, Luke Fickle's offense is obviously vastly different than what you, uh, Wisconsin is used to running. And and now Phil Longo's offense on top of that. Correct. So yeah. it, it's it'll be really interesting to see uh, the success of Wisconsin as it relates to which identity that they choose. Because if they are caught in the middle of trying to move forward as far as like a more progressive offense, pass happy, you know, going away from run first, hard nose, tough, whatever that they've been known for. Um, and they're like half in instead of completely in, I think that's going to cause a lot more problems than solutions. So they're going to, they're going to have to pick one this year. Are you going to fully commit to the, to the new age? Or are you going to commit to the, the age of old and run with it for this season? So real quick, I just wanted to chime in with this little tidbit of information for Wisconsin. The good news for them is that they have the first five games of this series to figure out what they're going to be and to get everything adjusted and get right and be ready for the nitty gritty part of their schedule in the Big Ten. Because I'm just going to list off real quick their first five opponents. They play Buffalo. Washington State, which Washington State, you could argue, could give them some problems. They actually lost to Washington State last year, so that one, they yeah. need to rebound. Yeah, they need to rebound and win that game. It is at Washington State as well. But then they have Georgia Southern, Purdue, and Rutgers. Those are their first five games. And I think we all can agree, Rutgers is, or I'm sorry, Purdue is not going to be the same team they were last year. And they weren't even that good last year. So uh, I, I just think if they can if they can start off in, in in those first 5 games and go 5 and 0 then you get into the real meat of your schedule with Iowa, Illinois, Ohio State, you know, those types of teams and i really feel like they can establish themselves very early on in the season as hey, we are the team to go through in the west this season. And I don't know. I, I, I'm going to tell you guys this right now. The The game on October 28th is at Wisconsin for uh, against Ohio State. And I would I'd be circling that one on the calendar because I think there's a there is a legitimate chance that both of those teams are undefeated going into that game. Totally so. agree. I think Wisconsin is going to get out to a really, really hot start. And I think it'll be. Uh, much needed, like you said, to work out some of the kinks with this new offense and new personnel and help them get to the next level by the end of the season. And their first tough opponent, if it, well, I mean, if you want to consider Washington State a tough opponent, I, I'm, I'm not going to argue with that. But inside the Big Ten is against Iowa, but they get them at home. So it's a big deal. And I, I really think that that gives you some time to gain some momentum with a completely new system 
and really find your way and your identity to your point, Corey, that you you find that identity and you start moving forward. I think the spring game is just kind of, you know what, it's fun. It's rah-rah. It gets the guys fired up, you know, like for the off-season workouts, which, hey, newsflash, they suck. Anyone out there who loves football, the people who you watch playing it, well, you are sitting on your couch all summer or chilling outside, drinking a margarita and having a burger. Those dudes are going through off-season workouts and they suck. So <laughs> it's just, you know, the spring game gives you an opportunity to kind of just get yourself into that headspace. Like, hey, this is why we we do all the hard work in the off-season because we, we eventually get to play. So I don't glean much from that, but I really do look forward to seeing what Wisconsin can do early in their schedule. So we go from one quarterback room to another, and the common theme of the four spring games we're going to talk about is the quarterback room. Um, so the next one we're going to go to is Michigan State, where this seems to be coming down to a two-horse race between Peyton Thorne and Noah Kim. And from the facial expressions on Ethan and Corey's face, it's uh, it might be a lesser of two evils kind of scenario. So... I didn't get to watch all of this spring game, but I've read up on it. So I'm going to read a, a little snippet from from SI.com, from Spartan Nation, and then kind of let you guys give your takes from there. So Peyton Thorne and Noah Kim kind of separated themselves from, from Hauser. Uh, it says, uh, during the two-minute drills, Thorne let a touchdown drive, capped it with a 15-yard scramble um, for a score, and he had a nice throw to Fitzpatrick. Great timing on an out route to Trey Mosley. So he had some highlights. But then the next paragraph was super interesting because they start talking about Noah Kim. And it says, Kim went next in the two-minute drill, showed off some really good arm talent and mobility. And of all the quarterbacks, Kim probably had the three to four most impressive throws of the day. So it kind of seems like Noah Kim might be the guy with a higher ceiling, maybe slightly lower floor than Peyton Thorne. Obviously doesn't have the game experience. So this QB competition is going to go deep into fall, I think. And, you know, it just yeah. depends on uh, it depends on what's going to happen in practice and what Mel Tucker is going to see. So I have a little bit of a, I, I guess you could call it like a hot take or whatever. I, I don't really think it is. I think this is truly an open competition. And uh, I think Tuck knows that, like, I have to put the best possible players I can out there and not care about anything else. <clears throat> I think by game three of the regular season, Noah Kim is your number one. He's your starter. I think he has way better arm talent. I think he's he, he's got to get the decision-making down and things like that. But these aren't things that Peyton Thorne has shown to be elite in by any stretch of the imagination. So I think you... I think the faster you get Noah Kim in there, I think the more, you know, kind of growing pains he can go through against your soft early schedule. And then you just let him take off into the Big Ten schedule. I, I really think the Peyton Thorne era has come to a very abrupt end after such an illustrious start to his career, you know, with Kenneth Walker and them winning 11 games, I believe, including the bowl game or 10, I'm sorry. Um, in that season that they had two years ago. And I think it, it's time to turn it over to Noah Kim. I think he looks like the be better talent. I think he has more talent. 
Uh, the arm, the arm strength is definitely there with him. Obviously, you guys, he's got a lot of stuff that he's got to get worked out. He's by no means, you know, the second coming of. Um, oh, of course, no. I'm JJ McCarthy. No, 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 no. I'm thinking of previous Michigan State quarterback. Oh, uh, oh, oh! I thought you wanted someone good. Kirk Cousins. <laughs> That's what I was gonna oh, say. Oh, oh, oh. Wow. I thought you wanted someone good. Michigan State has turned out some good quarterbacks. Stop that. Michigan uh, State. Oh yeah, had, Kirk. Yeah, Kirk. Michigan Kirk State, had a great college career and is a great NFL quarterback too. Did Brian Hoyer not play at Michigan State? He did. He did. Yeah, he did. Nick Foles yeah, was at Michigan, Michigan State, State for a little bit as well. Right. Michigan State has turned out some actually like good NFL talent. Okay, fine. Me. I'm a Michigan fan. Sue me. I'm a little biased and I like to take shots. All right. Sue me. Fine. I'm I'll be done. Well, don't don't hit them while they're down. Okay. We're just trying to talk about them. We're not trying to razz them. I'm trying to give some actual information here. Goodness gracious. You two need to get yourself. I haven't there. even Okay, Corey, 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 before you start, okay. Before you start trying to defend yourself like the little idiot you are, listen here. All you do every time Michigan State is brought up on this show is try your hardest to roast them. Hey, it's Corey's turn to talk. It's Corey's turn to talk. Okay, Okay. first off, number one, how many – no, you see, this is what he's doing. He, he He talks smack, gives me a hard time, and then he starts making fun of me behind on on mute on the stupid little podcast that we do. Good Lord. I have to sit here and listen to him rattle off some information. And then the, the second I open my mouth, he's like, oh, you're not going to have anything. You're just biased. I haven't even said anything yet. So, Ethan, sit there, shut up, and listen to what I have to say. Number one, I don't know how many times I've jumped on this podcast and have said in, in the past and given Michigan State the credit that they deserve, I have been terrified of what Michigan State can do when things are clicking on all cylinders and they are playing with their identity of having that chip on their shoulder. Because I can guarantee you nobody wants to play Michigan State when those two things are on lock because they are a team that plays with nothing to lose. And if they lose, no big deal. But if they win, then they get put in immediately into the into the national conversation. It's like, oh, Michigan State's really surprising people. It's this and everybody who's been around it and associated with it and all of the Michigan scaries that have happened with and against that team were like, yeah, we know. We've seen it happen. Number two, I think I've mentioned on this podcast three times alone that if Kirk Cousins was the quarterback of Michigan State during the Connor Cook era, Michigan State would have a national championship. I firmly believe that. It was just due to the quarterback play. Connor Cook, I don't – I mean, he – he benefited off of the talent around him. And if you put an actual competent NFL ready quarterback in that position, I think they are, they are incredibly set up for national championship. And number three, I have been saying since last year, the beginning of last year, I don't think Peyton Thorne's any good. And what happened? He showed everybody this year that he wasn't really that good. And in the spring game, he's now put himself into a quarterback competition this isn't this isn't me being biased this is simply looking at what has been unfolding in front of our eyes for the entirety of this past season and then up to now Noah Kim has the arm talent 
Noah Kim has the big play uh, uh, capabilities that Peyton Thorne would like to have, but when you put him in that position, like the Washington game this past year, it ended up ending very poorly for Michigan when you had to put the ball in Peyton Thorne's hand and you said, make something happen, Peyton, and he routinely did not make anything happen. This is why we're in this quarterback controversy, and I've been saying this since last year. Bias aside, so do not and you were do not give me that. I'm right, and and you were joined by a lot of Michigan State fans last year in asking for Noah Kim at some point. So the noise has been there since last season, and now it's culminating into this is a true QB competition, and it seems like you saw at their spring game, the green and white game that. Ah, uh, Noah Kim, there is definitely something there that I think Thorne doesn't have. I, I, Corey, you made a lot of really good points. I, I think, you know, the ba- the the number one thing that you brought up is is you hopped off the Peyton Thorne bandwagon before last season even started, and that really came true in a lot of different ways. And I, I really think that if you want to turn it around and you want to give that team a boost. And be like, hey, we're not going to just stick with the same old, same old. I, I think Noah Kim is is like, you got to get him primed and ready to go, obviously. But things just seem to have fallen apart in between the ears for Peyton Thorne. And I think, you know, Noah Kim's going to come in and he gives you that freshness, right? And he's going to make mistakes. He's going to throw interceptions, blah, blah, blah. I But I agree with you. I think I think it's time for a change. All right, next team up, next QB room. Although we'll we'll mention a little bit more than the QB room. Let's go to to uh, Penn State's blue and white game. So obviously the story for this one, right? No Sean Clifford for the first time in 22 years, and Drew Aller is assumed to be the guy. He he is going to be the guy. Let's be real. He is going to be the guy this year. A young, talented five star recruit who is going to take the reins for a very very talented Penn State team. Some highlights from their spring game, their defense looked legit. Now, they did have their NFL-capable offensive tackle who returned this year. He didn't play in the spring game, so the defensive line looked amazing. The secondary looks great. Penn State is linebacker U, essentially, um, all things considered, and they had some guys flash at that position too. So the second year under Manny Diaz, I don't think this defense is going to take any steps back, even though they do lose a little bit of talent. I think they're going to be just as good, if not a little bit better than they were last year, which is exactly what you want to give a young quarterback, right? You want to give him a good defense and a good running game. So you've got the the two-headed monster at running back. They didn't play in the spring game, which is expected. Um, but you've got the tools there, right, to surround a young quarterback with help and talent. And now it's just about how Drew Aller looks. And from what I was reading, it it sounds like he didn't have the greatest of spring games, which I wouldn't normally be concerned, but he has been in the program for a year, right? He's not a true freshman. He is a sophomore. This is his second year in the program. So to still look sloppy in the spring game isn't the best look in the world. Uh, you would rather see him be more polished but then again, the five-star talent is still there. And he can pop. He can make electric plays. He's going to need someone to step up at receiver. 
but um, but it's his job to lose. I don't think he's going to lose it, and he's got plenty of talent around him. It's just a matter of can he elevate this team to heights that they haven't been to recently. I don't know if either of you two have anything to add on top of that. Go ahead. Uh, I, I guess it'll be like more in the hypothetical and watching it unfold because you already know how much I like to work in the hypotheticals. Um, and because we're Michigan fans and we've seen all of these other programs just simply like reload and retool. So like Alabama doesn't skip a beat when they, you know, move from quarterback to quarterback. I mean, they had a stretch of three very talented NFL quarterbacks in uh, Jalen Hurts, Tua, and then Mac Jones. And they were able to continue their dynasty going forward. Michigan was a little bit different. They finally got consistent quarterback play from McNamara, and then they had their five-star come in and kind of just pick up to where he left off but was only a little bit better. The, the difference in the hope for Penn State is that, okay, we have our five-star five coming in, and then we've had our consistent starter for, seems like, 50 years in Sean Clifford. Um, but I think the difference is in what you've been saying Alex, he's been with the program for, you know, he's not exactly a true freshman, but also the situation I think is a little bit different than the Alabama Michigan, because number one, Penn state is not Alabama. Um, most teams are not Alabama. That's uh, you know pretty straightforward. But number two, the thing with Michigan was, is that um, keeping the talent aside, JJ McCarthy was playing throughout McNamara's season as a starter. He got real, game experience and not just game experience in the central or western game i mean he he made some pretty big throws in the ohio state game and then also into the big 10 championship as well um and then uh, unfortunately in the uh semifinal game against georgia just because the game was so out of hand um so i would say to the fans in happy valley that are expecting a clean transition from quarterback to quarterback you haven't exactly seen what this guy can do in a real game situation do i think he will perform well well yes i think so like within reason because of his high rating and you know all the hype that's surrounding him but is he going to be as effective as fans think i don't really know because he doesn't have that game experience yet and it'll be really interesting to see what his first tough test will look like in the season Real quick, I think you guys covered basically all of it, but I, I just, I really think that he is the type of guy that there's so much hype surrounding him that it's going to be really important in the first couple of games to make sure that you just kind of control him and don't let him get way outside of his element and everything. Let him make some flashy plays. Let him go out there and, you know, you know, throw on the run and gun it 60 yards downfield, whatever, but just don't get him to the place where it's like, oh, against a no-name team that we're blowing out, he's all of a sudden thrown three interceptions. You know, I think there does need to be some protection from that. But at the same time, you you got to leave room for growing pains and things like that and for him to make mistakes. So I, I think it's kind of, a, it, it's, you know, it's a Jekyll and Hyde type situation, but you got to walk that fine line and, and just, you know, let him sling it. But at the same time, don't let him go overboard and kill his confidence. All right. Last team on the list, 
is a team that probably has the biggest questions because they're also tied to the biggest expectations. And that's Ohio State. Because you've got lists coming out like ESPN's FPI ranking saying that they have the best chance to win the Big Ten. And you've got a lot of the Ohio State fan base talking like that should be the expectation, right? That should be the bar. But there's a lot of talent that left that team in critical positions. Those positions, namely being quarterback and offensive line. They're replacing three starters on the offensive line and C.J. Stroud. So, again, common question of the quarterback, but also in the trenches, which if you've watched any football recently, it's kind of important. So what I gathered from watching some highlights and reading reviews of the spring game, offensive line didn't look great. And that was with JT Tuiomalau, who dominated at times last year, namely the Penn State game where he was essentially the reason Ohio State won. He was not playing in the spring game. And the offensive line still didn't look great. The quarterbacks that were playing, Kyle McCord, uh, Brown, I believe, is the other guy in this QB competition. He didn't play. He had a shoulder ailment. Um, but the other quarterbacks were running around a little bit, had to escape the pocket. So that's not a fantastic sign. Uh, and then Kyle McCord didn't look great. Uh, similar to uh, like a Drew Aller kind of vibe, right? Like he's been he's been in the program for a year, hasn't he? He was a recruit like two years ago. Am I, am I correct in saying that? I believe he came in last year. Yeah, so he sat under Stroud, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Uh, if one of you guys could double check, that would be. He was cool. a red shirt freshman. He's going to be a red shirt freshman this year. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so, so the same situation as Drew Aller, right? And again, same thing. Looked inconsistent in the spring game. First real-time game action, didn't get any time last year. So, again, what do you make of these? You wish you could – you wish that their performances would put more minds at ease, um, but it could be an unfair thing to expect at this time. The one thing you do know, he's going to have a studded – a star-studded wide receiver group to throw to with Marvin Harrison and Emeka Abuka and Carnell Tate, and he's going to have dudes in the backfield like Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams – Right. The only question is, can the offensive line hold up and give him time and make running lanes and help this offense run smoothly enough that it's not as big of a hiccup? Me personally, I think the offensive line is the bigger question mark than quarterback. And maybe that's kind of the lane that we can take this conversation down of which do you think is actually the bigger question mark for Ohio State and their season expectations next year? So. Ohio State can out-talent eight or nine of the teams on their schedule. They can just walk out there any day of the week, and they're just going to out-talent those teams. That actually feels like a slightly low number. You think it's only eight or nine teams? I do, yes. And then, and then the rest, the, the, four, the three or four other games where you are actually going to have to play a game that's what I'm really interested to see this year with Ohio State because the trenches are so important especially in big in big 10 play 
that if if you have a bad O line, you're going to get exposed. If you have a bad D line, you're going to get exposed. And it, it's just, especially with a rookie quarterback, with a freshman quarterback, most likely starting for you, you are going to be put in some situations where you have to protect him. You know, you you might be trailing in the third quarter or only up by three in the third quarter and you've got the football and you need to march down the field and put a touchdown on the board. And a lot of that is going to come down to protection. So I really do think that Ohio State's O-line as of right now is what scares me the most as far as I really have no idea how good they're going to be. And it's been an issue. I don't think it's crazy to say that ever since Ryan Day got there, that's been their biggest issue. Has been in the trenches and has been on the O-line specifically. Uh, I mean, the two games against Michigan obviously have been not great. And I, I really do think that that is an area that is going to get the most scrutiny. Um, not just from us but from their fan base and from all the, you know, analysts going into the season, it's going to be, hey, there's this big question mark hanging over that offensive line on Ohio State. And then obviously you've got a a new starting quarterback that just, you know, it lends itself towards being, that's a, that's a really big question mark. And, And listen, Ohio State reloads, right? They don't, they don't, they just they just reload. They don't have to do, you know, rebuilds and all that stuff. They get massive amounts of talent coming in every year. Can they do it? Absolutely. Do I think they will? Yeah, I do. I, I give it a higher than 50% chance that they do and that they get to that 10 or 11 win season. But it, it'll just be interesting to see. I really think the trenches is where I'm focusing most of my attention. Uh, Corey, before you go, Kyle McCord is actually a junior or redshirt sophomore. So he was in the class of 2021. He's been in the program for two years. But Corey, go ahead. Uh, I do have to apologize uh, because of the last team that we discussed about transitions from quarterbacks. Uh, I failed to mention Ohio State in their transition from quarterbacks because they had a pretty seamless transition from Justin Fields to then C.J. Stroud. Um, and those things went off without a hitch. I will say that I agree with Ethan, but for a different reason, and that reason being Ohio State won their national championship with their worst quarterback. Cardell Jones was was uh, he played great. I'm not taking anything away from him. He was their worst quarterback out of JT Barrett, out of Justin Fields, out of CJ Stroud, and out of some other guy that I'm surely missing that gave Michigan nightmares, but besides the point. Um, so I, I guess in the, if it's going to come down to quarterback play I, and it's the Ohio State that we have known to be Ohio State, I'm not that concerned. But with everything that's been happening, and even specifically on the recruiting trail as well, I mean, it's the whole when there's smoke, there's fire. You have a lot of Ohio-based kids on the offensive line who don't want to go to Ohio State. What that reason is, I'm not quite sure, 
but it seems like these guys are real tough and physical offensive line. I mean, I don't, I don't know what other definition you'd or you know description that you would want for an offensive lineman in college football, but it seems like these are the guys that are the roughest and toughest, and they are not wanting to go play for their state school. So it it's a lot of echoing of what Ethan had said. You know, ever since Ryan Day got here, the trenches have been an issue. Um, and it seems like even on the recruiting trail that it's going in that direction. And if it's an issue this year, it's going to be an issue next year. And possibly the year after that, if the bottom doesn't fall out and Ryan Day, you know, remains. Real quick, Corey, you were actually missing two quarterbacks, Braxton Miller and uh, Terrell yes. Pryor. And even so, Cardell Jones, worse than both of those guys as well. But Cardell Jones is the only one with yes. the national championship. So, no, I was talking about that give Michigan yes. night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and, and Dwayne Haskins. I, I, all these guys. And Cardell Jones. That's what happens when you don't beat a team. Oh, it's just, it's just, it's just one after another. That's what happens when you beat a team one time. In and that's the scary thing, too. They had all of those guys. And Michigan couldn't beat them, and the one that won the national championship was by far the worst one. By far. Hey, they beat C.J. Stroud both times he played them. Besides the point, that's not even that's not even the point of this argument. But holy cow! I mean, look at the quarterback that won the national championship. Stetson yeah, that, I mean, great player, but in terms of talent, he's a two-time like, national champion. No one considers him a great quarterback. A great college quarterback. He's gonna get, he's gonna get drafted in like the. Fourth, he's not gonna round. get drafted. Yeah, he is. Yeah, 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 yeah. He will. He'll get drafted. Well, if if we, nothing else for experience, if nothing else for for experience. Well, I think the general consensus is of the big questions for these teams. Really, none of them have been answered. But we talk about it because it's football happening in April. And what else is there to talk about? Well, there's actually okay. plenty of well, sports. I was going to say, I was, I was say timeout. No, 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 no. We were just talking about it. Let's get into this. Let's transition into the draft and the Big Ten players therein. Because I think there are some big-time things going on here in the NFL draft, namely C.J. Stroud, which part of that quarterback room that we were just talking about, no no more a part of the Ohio State quarterback room because he has entered this draft, largely thought of as a lock for either the first or second pick, for a long time was the favorite to go number one. Then it came out that, no, 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 they're going to go with Bryce Young at number one. Now maybe they're going to go with Will Levis. Carolina is a dumpster fire and doesn't know what they're doing. But C.J. Stroud seems to be the topic of slippage here in the NFL draft. So I want to hear from the two of you, your opinions on this and where you think he might land. And is it warranted because of his cognitive tests that he took and the slippage that is seemingly happening? We are recording this two days before the draft, people. If he goes number two, and then you guys hear this, and you're like, oh, you guys are so stupid. Okay, no one knows what's going to happen in the draft, okay? So shut your mouth. The two guys who get paid to do it year-round are terrible at it. So I don't want to hear it, okay? 
Thank you. Now, back to C.J. Stroud. Where do you think he eventually lands? And do you think it is warranted that a lot of this conversation is going on about him possibly slipping in the draft? Corey, we will start with you. I think I was pretty consistently arguing for the two best quarterbacks or the the highest upside and then also the safest because you're going to want a guy that, especially if you're picking in the top five at the quarterback position, that can come in and play almost immediately. I think that's a, a general consensus with most fans, executives, and people who are building teams. Um, so I would I was saying I think Bryce Young would be the guy to go number one. But out of the remaining guys, C.J. Stroud would have to be your number two option just because of the level of play of which he has played at. And then also, he's a, he's about the most pro-style quarterback and pro-ready quarterback that you can get uh, from any of these guys. Uh, and you saw him make impeccable throws at Ohio State. He had a lot of talent. I will. I mean, some people want to knock him for that, but you have to give him credit where credit is due. C.J. Stroud makes incredible throws. He's probably the most accurate passer in this draft. Not arm strength, but can place the ball wherever he wants to, anywhere on the field. The one knock that I think is kind of going against him in circles right now, outside of the cognitive test, is the fact that people are saying, For the two years that he started at Ohio State, he had the best wide receiver core possibly in college football history, which made it extremely easy for him to score and to make these passes and things like that. And they made up for his lack of talent. Alex, what say you? I have more, though. Am I not allowed? Well, it's it's my turn, then I'll pass it back to you. Yeah. uh, I think the receiving core argument is – Super dumb because we never said that about Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson on the same exact college football team. And look at Joe Burrow. Like you look at the traits and that'll tell you about what kind of quarterback you're going to get. Obviously there's a mental side of the game, but look at the traits. And I think people real quick, Alex is not trying to say that CJ Stroud is Joe Burrow. So everyone relax. Okay. Yes. Thank relax. you for, thank you for clarifying that. Cause that's definitely not what I'm trying to say. But what I am going to say is this every year around draft time, the teams that are at the top of the draft will show you why they're always at the top of the draft. Think- Bingo. Think about think about the Oakland Raiders drafting a Henry Ruggs over all of the other incredible wide receivers. Think about the Detroit Lions drafting Jeff Okuda at number three and Eric Ebron at number ten. Think I mean the list goes on of these teams that are early on, like early in the first round, a top ten pick, and they try to be the smartest guys in the room. They try to take every little nitpicky piece of data that they can and say, this reason, this is the reason that I know that this guy's going to be a bust and nobody else knows it. Those teams are there for a reason. It's because they're bad at their jobs. CJ Stroud, there's no reason that he should fall past the number two spot in this draft because you could argue 
that he's the best quarterback in the draft. I get that Bryce Young has all the arm talent and the mobility, right? Bryce Young is also he's small. He's small. Yes, he's barely six feet tall and he's under two hundred pounds. He's not six feet tall. What was his official? I, was his official under six five feet? Ten. Five ten something. Five ten something. <laughs> five ten. Uh, the five the ten. Uh, the big show official measurement. Uh, five ten something. I want that on draft boards across the country. I'm telling you right now, Alex, I, I'm I'm sorry. You've got me fired up right now because CJ Stroud falling beyond number two in this draft, especially when this is exactly what happens every single year is there's too much time for these stupid owners and these stupid GMs in between the end of the college football season and draft day that they, they have, they convince themselves of one thing and then slowly talk themselves out of it to the exact opposite thing. And it just makes zero sense. I never never understand how we can end the college football season with a pretty good opinion of the order of players and where they go. You just watched them play an entire season. Makes a lot of sense. You should know how good they are. And then we can go four months with zero football being played and completely change our opinions of them. Will Will Levis, second best odds to go number one overall. It went from plus 1,400 to plus 400. Overnight, Will Levis. After he played how much extra football? Oh, that'd be zero. Zero. Let the bad teams be the bad teams. They will tell you who they are based off of the draft. If C.J. Stroud slips, it will be a mistake. And I know we've taken a lot of air. So, Corey, go ahead. Um, The second part of my thing, and agreeing with you guys, there's a reason why the bad teams are bad and they continue to be bad, and that explains why I'm so disgruntled with the Lions organization. I'm not going to get into that, so don't, don't worry. But that's just where I'm coming from. Um, we, we have to talk about the cognitive test. We just have to. I, it's, a hot, it's a hot button to conversation because this is the driving force. It, it's, it's one thing to argue about these guys are dumb, um, and this is like, why are we judging people based off of the games that haven't been played in four months when we could just do it right after the regular season? I understand that. I get that. But we also have to give the reasons of why these guys are thinking, because they're not just thinking it for no reason, right? They have a specific reason of why this guy is going to fall to wherever they think hypothetically he's going to fall to. And that test for CJ Stroud was pretty damning. The lowest for the, I guess this test replaced the Wonderlick, which all you analytics people, you can jump on here and comment on how confident you are in that. But CJ Stroud, out of all the quarterbacks in this draft, scored the worst. He scored, to be specific, he's, he scored 18%. Hendon Hooker scored 46. Anthony Richardson, 79. Will Levis, 93. And Bryce Young, 98. Yeah, so Bryce Young scored the highest out of any player in the 2023 NFL draft. CJ Stroud, CJ Stroud scored the absolute lowest of any player who has entered themselves into the 2023 NFL draft. But, but my question to you, Corey, is do you think it should matter? 
I think it should matter if there's reason for you to think it should matter. And I, I say that because CJ Stroud has a ton. There's a reason he's a top two, top three, top four quarterback candidate to be taken in this draft. Look at the big games that he's played. He did incredible against Georgia. I will give him all the credit in the world. But his two biggest games before that were the two games against Michigan. And he looked like a completely different player. Once the pressure was on, which you look at the... I disagree. I disagree because I I think he played incredibly well against Michigan, especially the first time that he played them. I do not think that he was the reason they lost at all. I didn't say that. I I I didn't say that. But I I think he played well. He made... He made some absolutely incredible throws. The only reason that they had anywhere near a chance, not this past season, but two years ago, was because he made some of the most incredible throws you can see by a college quarterback against Michigan. I don't think he, by any metric, folded against Michigan in either one of those games. Their defense absolutely folded in both of those games. You can't allow your opponent to score almost 50 points. You're not going to win especially in the big 10 like that that's just not going to happen but and especially in a rivalry game excuse me to continue but i i don't think you can put either one of those games on cj stroud and say oh he's the reason they lost i think he played very well in both of those games and gave his team a chance to win both of those games i I think i think in the biggest look at the game he just played Look at the game that he just played, the last game that he I played just said that, yes. against Georgia. Yeah. I mean, arguably the best game it of his career. It was the best game of his career. It definitely yeah, was. I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm very much on the Alex bandwagon here that this just doesn't make sense. Like, you, you just – people have too much time. They, this is all they focus on, and they get away from what actually matters, and they start getting into these minute details of things that don't actually matter. C.J. Stroud is either the best or the second-best quarterback in this draft and should be drafted accordingly. Period. End of story. And and I'm going to put this out there, too. Regardless of how his NFL career turns out, he should be one of the first two quarterbacks drafted. Like, there's no... There should be no hindsight. Potential. Yeah, on potential. On potential alone, no matter how his yeah. career turns out, based off of what you've seen on film and what you see on the field, he deserves to be a top two quarterback drafted. That's just end of story. You could make a better argument to me right now that Bryce Young should not be drafted in the top two than C.J. Stroud. 100%. Totally because, agree. Because NFL metrics will show you that people like Drew Brees and people like Russell Wilson are the outliers. They are not the norm. The under six foot quarterback, the undersized quarterback. And by the way, both of those guys bigger in stature than CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud is a small dude. So those guys are the outliers. You don't have phenomenal quarterbacks measuring in at under six foot coming into the NFL and just tearing it up, lighting it up all the time. I could show you five guys who flunk out for every one guy that's a success at that at that height. So you can make a much better argument to me that 
he should that Bryce Young shouldn't be drafted in the top two than you could for CJ Stroud. I'm sorry, a, a, a test. Like, what if he was just up late and just clicked all the buttons and was just like, I just need to get this over with so I can go to bed. Uh, in 18, percent I'm I'm sure that's probably what he did. So I uh, I don't know. We can we can move on, but that's that's where that's where I'm at with it. No, no, no go ahead. If you have another, I, point, I go mean, ahead, please. it it was. Was he the reason that they lost the games against Michigan? No, he was not the reason they lost the game against. Did he play one of the best games of his career against Georgia? Yes, he did. But in those games against Michigan, C.J. Stroud was not the same player that C.J. Stroud was against every other player, every other team that he played in his college football career. He was not. Did he make? Did he show flashes of his brilliance? Yes, he did. That touchdown pass to Marvin Harrison in this past year's game was an NFL throw by all standards, but he was making mistakes that you have never seen CJ Stroud make. He is a quarterback who takes care of the football and he did not do that only when he played against Michigan. Is that that Michigan was his boogeyman? Maybe. I don't know. And that's not a Michigan bias thing that I'm talking about, but he looked different against Michigan. Did he look like C.J. Stroud? You can look different and still look very good, okay, and put your team in the best position to win. C.J. Stroud was the best option for Ohio State. I don't think we're making that argument at all, but I'm just saying he looked physically different when he played against Michigan. I think he puts any of those arguments to bed as soon as he goes out there against the best team that he played in his entire college career and played the best game he ever played. He went out against Georgia in a national championship scenario because either one of those teams was beating TCU. And he went out there and played the game of his life against Georgia. I think that puts to bed any conversation about the Michigan, blah, 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 whatever you want to say about that. And and listen, I'm not saying that you can't make that point, but then don't tell me that I can't make the point that he went out there and played the best game of his career against the best competition he ever and played. And I agreed with you. Career. I agreed with you from the very start, but I'm disagreeing with you in the fact that you saw that twice against maybe the best team on his schedule, once at home, by the way, in the comfort of his own building. I don't think you can just completely throw that away. And that's why there's this argument here of that well, maybe C.J. Stroud, with the mixture of this test of why he's rumored to fall. And – Guys, we could be arguing about nothing. We could be sitting here and then watch Houston take him number two overall, and then we're in the same boat. I think they will. I think they'll come to I their sense. They should. I think I, because Will Levis, uh, that guy couldn't win a football game, and Anthony Richardson, despite he might go number Anthony one. Richardson, dis- Will Levis might go number one. Levis might go number one, and Anthony Richardson, despite the athleticism, that man cannot throw a football or complete a football pass. He can't. Okay, he resembles Josh Allen more than anyone I've ever seen coming out of college. He resembles Josh Allen. He resembles Cam Newton. He did he show you? Josh Allen couldn't throw. Josh Allen could not throw a football when he came into the NFL. And Jordan Love threw like ten more interceptions than touchdowns and still went for it. So I don't know anything, but. Uh, Jordan Love, we don't know what's going to happen with him. We don't know what happened with Anthony Richardson, but it's like one of those things. Like, why did Zach Wilson go where he went last year? It was all of this talk, 
Like, oh, he's got because he made one insane throw at his. He combine. made one, and Anthony Richardson threw a football through the freaking roof, and everyone's like, "Oh my gosh!" So I, I mean, I don't know. This is we're just we're driving each other crazy because we haven't watched football in months. People, people, we're an hour into the show. Let me give you a little betting tidbit of advice, okay? All right, let's lock this in here. The you want the coin? Top no. No, thank you. So, you bet Jack Campbell to be a top three linebacker taken in the NFL draft. One of the first three linebackers to be taken. You know what? Better yet, just go out there. Whatever the odds are, if if you're getting plus odds at Jack Campbell to be a first-round pick, punch that ticket, baby. Punch that ticket. Jack Campbell, linebacker, Iowa. First round pick, I'm I'm stamping it right now. There, I we needed to we needed a little change of pace. I gave us the change of pace right there. There you go, Corey. You got anyone else that you're excited about watching uh, watching on draft day? Uh, I mean, not any player in particular. I'm I'm focusing on the Lions because this is a make or break year for them. I I'm I think whoever they take with their pick will will give you the story of the season. For them, you'll you'll know exactly what's going to happen this year based off of the player they take. I'll leave it at that. I'm excited to see the run of Big Ten defensive backs and offensive tackles in the first two rounds, uh, because you've got Joey Porter out of Penn State, you've got uh, Devon Witherspoon out of Illinois, you've got Keontae, I believe is how you pronounce his name, Banks out of Maryland who are all three projected first-round guys. Then you've got Skronsky, offensive tackle from Northwestern. Paris Johnson, offensive tackle from Ohio State. Skronsky's going to be a top-10 pick, by the way. He will be, 100%. And there are other offensive linemen that I know I'm missing who are graded as a first- and second-round draft pick. So the Big Ten will be very, very well represented at those two positions. Corey, close us out. What, what I'm really got? interested to see where Jack, Jackson Smith and Jigba goes. I'm I'm hearing some things about him sliding up or down in like the middle of the first round, um, and I think there's some rumblings about the Packers finally taking a wide receiver, and with that swap with Aaron Rodgers, how that plays into it. So a lot of things kind of have to happen. Be- if he falls to them, they have to. They have to. That would be poetic. That would be so poetic. It really would. For Rodgers to the leave first, and then they take a receiver. First time they take a first-round wide receiver in over a decade, and here you go. It's Unreal. right after Aaron Rodgers leaves. All right. Well, that's all we got for this episode. We're going to do a post-draft episode next week, talk about what our favorite landing spots were for each Big Ten player. And we'll talk about a lot of the guys that we just mentioned. So I yeah, we're gonna I, talk about we're gonna talk about guys who go in the second and third round as well. So if you're looking out for like your favorite player or whatever, we're gonna mix those guys in because a lot of those guys are gonna find landing spots where they're gonna be starters and they were drafted second, third round. You know, think of a guy like Mozzie Smith from Michigan, you know, not gonna go in the first round, still gonna have a great opportunity to be a starter and a really productive player for a team. So Keep an eye out, guys, and we will definitely what, be getting into what that. Day, kind of stuff. What Sorry, day does Jake Moody go? 
last. Uh, no, he gets signed as a he gets signed as a free agent. If he's not a day one pick, it's a Honestly. mistake. Come on, Raiders, you've done it before. All right, well, that's what we've got. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, follow, subscribe on wherever you're listening, Apple or Spotify, Instagram at Big Show Pod, where you can comment, like our posts, tell us what you want to hear, DM us. We love hearing from you guys. And we will talk to you next week post-NFL draft. Happy drafting. Peace.